Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What is wrong with my glum-looking little friend <laughs> this morning? Samantha Trish. Well, I had a bit of a shock in the post. I had this thing, it was addressed to me, it looked all glossy and lovely. I thought, oh, this is nice, what's it going to be? And it was uh, an invitation to buy a flat in a residential block for over 65s for retirees. I thought, goodness, I'm on the mailing list for all the old people retirement stuff. That's not right. Well, you don't want to go into that retirement home. No, of course I do. Going into the one we're going to make together. Yes, the one we're planning, exactly. Yeah. The one where we have um, a little gin waiter come round. Yes, exactly. Every afternoon, 4 30, 2 30, maybe. Facials, massages, a bit of yoga, cats. I'm thinking of wild parties and hallucinogenic drugs, Trish. Nice. yoga yeah that's what i'm gonna do well you can be doing home. that well I'll, I'll do a bit of yoga with the cat <laughs> hello. hello welcome to postcards from midlife i'm lorraine candy i'm trish halpin and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife we'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to hrt and your sex drive Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, everyone. Well, I don't know about you, Trish, but it's been a roller coaster of a week for me. I've been to the hairdresser for the first time in a year. Glamorous look. Mm, I've been to the cinema twice. (gasps) Peter Rabbit. Oh, my God. Cruella. Very good. Very good. And I've also survived Opal Fruit Gate and the later (laughs) death of our printer. Oh, no. I I have said that I think... The printer could be the cause of the divorce between you and James, but we'll, we'll come on to that. My week's been quite good. I've been to a wedding, but I've had nothing kind of dramatic or unexpected. And I just need to find out what on earth opal fruits have got to do with anything. Well, not a lot, as it turns out, because I don't <laughs> mean opal fruits at all. I mean Starburst. Oh, Starburst. Yes, of course you yes, do. Yes, because I'm two decades out with my sweet treats because my mm-hmm. life is one long nostalgia noodle. Anyway, Starburst got stuck in the printer. How? I think child-related. Mr Candy rescued it, ate it, mm-hmm. um, but the printer could not be revived, unfortunately. So I mentioned this on Twitter and all my lovely female followers reminisced about opal fruits and all the men they just gave me instructions on how to mend a printer and where to buy a printer which is (laughs) disappointing but predictable anyway I'm here with a borrowed printer but Mm. I've got this very healthy glow Mm. have I not can you see it and we'll talk about it later. I can see it on the zoom you are blowing away (laughs) we're gonna be just because I'm two years younger than you. oh okay here we are (laughs) It was my birthday, which officially means in. there are two two years between us, only for like two months. 
but she's got six it in weeks. six weeks yeah but anyway yeah. we are going to be talking about yeah. skincare today especially exfoliators yeah. and botox because you've been testing exfoliators and i've had some baby botox which i'm really excited about and i'm going to tell you all about that in our how to win at midlife section later on yes i'm quite looking forward to your botox tales because it's been in your neck hasn't it mm, yes exciting to discuss so before we head into our jibber jabber section i have to say we are the podcast that reaches the parts other podcasts can't reach. <laughs> and I'm talking physically and globally. So firstly, welcome to all our listeners who have sent messages from homes across the world. We've now got communities going in Norway, Canada, LA, Australia, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands and Dubai. So thank you very mm. much. Nisha, I think she's called and who sent a picture of herself and all the new friends she's met through the podcast in Dubai. I know, isn't that brilliant? So oh, we've nice. been very heartened to hear as well how we're empowering women on our Facebook group, or they're empowering each other very much so, because after listening to us, going on the Facebook group, chatting to each other, there's all sorts of things that they've taken themselves off to the doctor from vaginal atrophy through to HRT, everything. It's been really good and finding the right treatment so we do reach the parts others don't for sure and it's really good that this community is changing lives along the way so who is on the show today to offer more words of wisdom for our midlife friends well today we're going to be interviewing kate thornton who is one of the nation's favorite midlife tv and radio presenters and we're going to be talking to kate about how she feels are having just started hrt at the end of lockdown i think hearing about her mini lockdown wobbles as she calls them will be fascinating for listeners because many of us have gone through significant life changes during lockdown and we've only just started to grapple with how that makes us feel haven't we yeah but firstly we're going to be chatting about something you did during lockdown, Lorraine, aren't we? Which was a significant life change of your own. Banana bread. No. <laughs> no. I didn't make banana bread because I wouldn't know which end. You didn't have time because you were busy doing this other thing. I know. Guess what I did in lockdown? So we will be discussing my book on parenting teenage girls, my first book. It's out soon, isn't it? June the 10th. I wrote this, finished it in lockdown, just after my eldest had left home for university. It's a book for mums, all the mums out there who feel a bit overwhelmed during this stage of their parenting journey. And I hope that uh, when we chat about it today, we can reassure and comfort as many listeners as possible who may have adolescents or who are supporting mums with teens, because that's a big job as well, mm-hmm. or even the mums with pre-teens, because if you know what's coming, then it's a bit easier all round, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yes, it is. And we do, after all, have six children between us. So we have been there, done that and bought the T-shirt on the parenting front. But let's get on with the show. So the day has finally come, Lorraine. Your first book is being published. Can you tell us the title in your best teenager voice, please? (laughs) The title is reminiscent of something they say. So I'm going to say it in the... Mum, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Which is what mine say all the time. What is wrong with you? I say, I've just cured cancer. What's wrong with you? So, yes, the book, my first book, is called Mum, What's Wrong With You? 101 Things Only the Mothers of Teenage Girls Know. Now, it's taken about 10 years to get this together, so I'm hoping people will buy it and I'm hoping it will help them out. Well, it's great because you, you know, you are a bit of an expert on the old parenting front, aren't you? Because you have written columns on parenting for a long time. But what made you want to write this particular book? Well, I just didn't think when I hit 
the uh, adolescent years with my two teenagers. I've got four children, two of them, uh, two older girls who are 17 and 18. I just didn't think it was going to be like that. I was so mm. surprised and shocked by what how lonely I felt, um, how sort of ashamed I felt sometimes and how overwhelmed I felt because obviously it happens during the midlife years. And there was no kind of NCT-like support groups mm. for women with teenagers. And it's a very specific relationship, teenage girl mm. and mum. And I just thought I was surprised at how they changed completely overnight and how mean they were to me. <laughs> I mean, it is common. <laughs> I have talked to lots of women. They, yeah. they sort of reject you quite brutally, yeah. which they have to do. And I just thought if I put all the information from all the experts I've interviewed for my parenting columns together and talk to some new experts about it and have a look at what's going on and share the stories that women were telling me yeah it might make other women feel less alone it might reassure you it might comfort you it's not a kind of how-to or to-do list Mm. or anything and it's not about fixing a problem because they're not problems teenage girls but it is just a really emotional lonely time and it's our reaction to it isn't it because it is it's such an intense I do feel like I've got a much more intense relationship with Esme than I do with with my son and um it's quite unique and I think you make some good points about I think about guilt and the guilt we feel about are we getting it wrong are we doing it right are we damaging them and it was very reassuring Mm. to not only know that you felt that yourself and thought that but it's kind of how you come out the other side of that as well yeah and it's not overwhelmingly difficult thing to do just teenage mothering teenage girls is all about what teenage years are all about identity and connection they're forming their identity you're mixing your identity Mm -hmm. with theirs and they all they're looking for all the time is constant tiny daily connections with you Mm -hmm. but because it's such a a mental time there's such so much storminess going on you start to unravel those connections Mm. and it doesn't take much to put them you know back into practice it's what they call pot plant parenting Mm. you know slowing down just being around learning to actively listen to what they're saying not constantly trying to solve all their problems things you're sort of don't know are working but could be really really useful and you're their main role model they've spent their whole life watching you the main female role model they're absorbing absolutely everything that you do so in that time you need to take care of yourself because they learn about taking care of themselves from how you take care of Mm. yourself so that's I think what's the specifics about it being girls really it's such a difficult thing because you're their main woman really yeah I think it's um you know it's interesting what you're saying about communicating with them and the pot plant thing and everything because to me it seems they can be either a ranting at you or B, just completely disappearing off to their room, (laughs) not wanting to talk. So how, a couple of tips, how do you communicate with your girls in either of those scenarios? It comes from listening as well, you know, constantly monitoring them and being incredibly curious about what they're doing all the time and any changes in their patterns of behavior. But a lot of the communicating with them is very small things. It, It is do you want a cup of tea? Mm. It, it isn't asking them how they feel or what's mm-hmm. been going on because they don't want to tell you that. They can't, They just can't download that because I think what I explain in the book because I interviewed a lot of neuroscientists is their brains between the ages of 12 and 17 are being taken apart and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, the back of the brain is built first and the front of the brain comes after it. So they feel all emotions really intensely. So mm-hmm. if you've run out of biscuits that is a really big problem for them and you you may think they're overreacting but all these emotions are incredibly intense for them 
they're not asking you to solve all their problems or to stop mm-hmm. feeling all of these emotions. They're asking you to be the person they can lean against while they're working out how to do it themselves. So in the eye of that storm, someone just described it to me the other day in a really lovely way that you're holding a rope and, and on the end of the rope, mm. you've got it. You've, you've got a child and it's wonderful. And the child's waving out. It's all lovely. Mm. And then as they head into teenage years, they just the world some, suddenly becomes a very dark, different and frightening place for them because mm-hmm. so much change rapid change is happening and then on the end of the rope then you've got this thing flailing around <laughs> it's, it just doesn't know what to do yeah. and all you have to do is hold the rope that's yeah. all you have to do as a parent and every day is a new day I think that's the new the thing I learned mm. the most from the experts I talked to that you think you've had the worst argument ever it's the worst day ever they'll never get over it but you can start again the next mm-hmm. day you can repair the damage and it's it's in the very simple connecting with them keeping the rituals of family life eating with them is incredibly incredibly important mm-hmm. i've spoken to um therapists right on the front line of adolescent mental health dealing with extreme trauma and that's the number one piece of advice can you eat with your teenagers mm-hmm. once a week without yeah. your phones you know can or can you go and sit in their rooms and eat with them if they won't come out you know it's those okay. tiny connections yeah. that we take for granted that are yeah. really really important yeah i hadn't thought about going in the room with them you that's, can leave notes if you can't talk yes, as well that's you nice, can leave sweet notes little notes you, sweet little notes yeah, yeah make it about how you feel not how you feel about them yeah um, so yeah it's what's that you know it's it's that and, and keeping the boundaries that you set even if it makes you really unpopular yeah, yeah. is important I think that was the main thing I learned they aren't going to like you all the time you aren't going to be popular but if you have those boundaries there they know you care yeah. about them it is a sign they may yeah. re- they may be furious about it but there's a sign of love Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so there's so many good chapters in there about communication. You've got ones about identity, self-image, all the things that teenage girls go through. So congratulations, my friend. I'm very proud of you. And anybody who wants to buy Mum, What's Wrong With You, it's available to pre-order now on Amazon or at Waterstones. And actually, we're going to be talking about it together, aren't we, Lorraine, at the Primrose Hill I'm Lecture Series on the evening of the 9th of June in London at 7pm. And um, if anybody wants to come along, you can uh, get your tickets on Eventbrite. And I gather, Lorraine, you're going to be creating a community for mums of teen girls on your Facebook page and through your Instagram. Yes, we've made a little video with some mums talking about how they get on with their teen girls and how they've changed. And and once we launch that, we're going to be doing a weekly how to help so that everyone feels that we're all talking. Because there aren't any NCT classes and we we don't share all that, but perhaps we could share a little bit more. I think especially in midlife, because it is the perfect storm of your hormones and their hormones, isn't Mm -hmm. it? So you can pre-order the book. It's available on Amazon now. Come and see us in action together because that's probably the first time we've been together yes long times i think yeah something like that i've put your furry friend margot on the guest <laughs> list trish shall i bring I her in her be, cat uh... basket to north london yes you could then like write that. your book couldn't you yes. parenting the angry cat <laughs> great idea here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today, we're welcoming one of the UK's most familiar faces and voices to postcards from midlife. You may know her as the first presenter of X Factor back in 2004, or if you're magazine groupies like me and Trish, you will remember Kate Thornton as the first female editor of the iconic pop magazine Smash Hits. She's the woman who brought the Spice Girls into our world after Jerry turned up at Kate's office, stood on her desk in her platform shoes. Now 48, Kate is a podcaster and radio presenter, as well as a mum to Ben, age 13, and also a qualified counsellor. The breadth of her TV work is impressive, from the moving documentary about her teenage battle with anorexia to her lively hosting of the panel show Loose Women. Kate remains a fixture of our screens and radios today, but she's here now to tell us about her challenging and stressful transition into midlife. Kate Thornton, welcome to Postcards from Midlife. Lovely to be here, ladies. I think we're going to start with a little trip back in time little nostalgia noodle about your background and your career because if we go back in time with Kate Thornton we're going to meet all our mid-90s pop heroes because you edited Smash Hits just as Take That were breaking up just as Britpop was coming into full force that just must have been a phenomenal adventure I mean who were your favourites what did you do tell us more it was definitely an adventure but it was also kind of all that I knew at the time so I think it's you know the glory of rose-tinted hindsight that you look back and go blimey those were the days so yeah it was an extraordinary time I joined Smash Hits take that just announced that they were breaking up and they were the only band that shifted anything like decent cover sales so that was a bit devastating was Gary your favorite well it was quite interesting actually because we ended up working with all of them so you actually you had to be Switzerland because obviously everybody wanted to get their record out first and there was the whole Robbie Gary thing and we did covers with both. I remember flying to Miami to do the cover shoot with Robbie Williams. And it was an incredible trip, actually. We were staying at this really beautiful Art Deco hotel on Ocean Drive. And he was shooting a video out there. And I think, you know, it was probably fair to say that he was in his party face. <laughs> and his mum was on the phone to me going, because I knew his mum, Jan. I knew the families. Do you know what I mean? But where's our Robert? I can't get hold of him. And, you know, mobile phones were not a thing back then. I had one, but you had to pull the aerial up to answer it. Rob was not in his room answering his phone. Jan was worried because she knew where his lifestyle was at. So I, I, I flew out there as, like, you know, magazine editor, but effectively... I was sort of, don't let Robbie get too smashed, <laughs> caretaker slash carer, really. So that's what I remember about the whole take that thing. And then doing the cover shoot with Mark and Gary separately. And they all have very different stories. Fascinating, really. Such young men. And they'd been through a lot together 
in a minute of time, really. So I think that, you know, they were extraordinary sort of points in their lives. And so to take that, I think we managed to get at least three months of saying goodbye to them. <laughs> yes, out of that for sales. What about the love of my life, George Michael? You knew George, didn't you, as well? So he was a kind of, I suppose, dominated the 90s, really, in many ways from a music point of view. But you stayed friends with him, didn't you? Tell us about lovely George. Oh, I could talk for the hour about George. He was my first kind of like pop crush. I loved Wham so much. I remember racing home from school to watch the news round special of Wham in China. Fast forward to many, many years later when I was hosting Loose Women, he called in one day live on air. So we were on an ad break and the producer comes in my ear and says, "Um, do not freak out. Don't tell the other women. George Michael's on the line. He's calling in. He wants to go live on on, on the next segment. So we're coming back off the break and you're with George Michael and you keep a straight face. And I'm like, oh my God. And he came on air and we chatted. It was wonderful. And the next day he sent me this glorious hamper, which I've still got. And then the producer said to me, George has left his number for you if you want to get in touch. And I was like, what? I I, I, I can't, I can't take his number. What if I get drunk and phone him? I'm I'm just going to ruin everything. It's ended. Because on air, the bit I haven't told you is I told him how much I loved him and that I thought we should get married. I said to the producer, can you just phone him back and tell him? I'm just terrified of drink dialing him, but please pass him my number and tell him he's really welcome to get in touch whenever he wants. And a couple of weeks later, I was I was hosting this morning this time with Peter Andre and I left the studio and my phone went. I was driving home and it was a number I didn't recognise and I answered it and this guy comes on the phone and bearing in mind, I've just worked with Peter Andre, who's Greek. And he goes, hey, it's the singing Greek. And I was like, oh, hi. This sounds like you're in the bath. Yeah, I'm in the bath. I was like, how are you in the bath at the studios? There's no baths in the dressing room to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but who do you think this is? And I was like, Peter Andre. And he went, how? Oh, no. You George <laughs> with Peter Andre. <laughs> I was driving round and round what is the IMAX roundabout at Waterloo, oh, yeah. just in a tiz, going, George Michael's naked in the bath on the phone to me. I <laughs> and then from that moment on, we sort of stayed in touch. And he was, I mean, he is everything you could have hoped times a thousand, times a million, and oh, then stick a cherry on top. Oh, God love you. Well, you've met so many famous people in your life, but you started as a magazine editor, like Lorraine and I. You moved on to TV and you hosted some really big, big shows, didn't you? That's a huge responsibility, anchoring a Saturday night TV show mm. like X Factor. You have to look amazing. You have to be perfect. You have to be on it. What was that period of your life like? Fast. Can't really hugely remember massive amounts of it. Everything gathered a pace really quite quickly. In fact, it was my connection at Smash Hits to two men that I went on to sort of like reroute me into Saturday Night Telly, really, because when I was at Smash Hits, I was doing a lot of work with Simon Fuller mm-hmm. on the Spice Girls. So we had quite a, a good working relationship. And also there was this kind of A&R guy that was constantly pitching his acts to me. And they were never quite right for smash hits. They were always a little bit older than our readership. And that was Simon Cowell. Always coming oh. in. <laughs> I get Robson and Jerome on the cover. Yeah. So those two Simons then went on to create Pop Idol. And it was Pop Idol that I ended up working on, which was my transition into... Well, I'd already done Saturday Night Telly, actually, by that point. What am I talking about? I can't remember anything, ladies. You know. <laughs> That kind of took me onto Pop Idol, which then took me onto X Factor. And what about your confidence? Because it takes it to another level, doesn't it? Naively, I sort of used to get quite annoyed if I'd come off air and 
you know, the show, had, we'd go and do a debrief and all people talked about was what I was wearing. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. How did the top of part three work for you? Were the timings right? Because it felt tight, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, don't worry about that. Do you think the green really worked? I'm like, oh, does it matter? But you've got to remember back then there was no social media. So there was none yeah. of that online trolling or commentary. I don't think that my mental health would have coped with that. And I just thought that people were spending far too long sort of asking my stylist to draw up mood boards. And predominantly, a lot of the people that were asking to have a saying what I wore were old white guys. Well, yes. You know, I wouldn't tell you how to dress. Mm -hmm. And I've got a stylist who's a professional. Maybe we should listen to her. That was kind of my take. I really wasn't that interested in clothes and fashion at that point. I wanted to be a journalist when I started working and my head was down and I was I was way too busy thinking about what I was writing and then presenting when I moved into selling and what I was wearing. Has your attitude changed then over the years? Because as women get older, we're still held up to a kind of image of what we should be. The narrative is definitely changing. But how do you feel about seeing yourself on telly now compared to when you were younger? I have two different mindsets that I sort of travel Mm. between. On a good day, I think, really, does it matter what I'm wearing, what I look like? I always used to get asked, what's your favourite body part? Was it nobody ever asked a man that for a start? And secondly, nobody ever printed my answer, which is my brain. Because without that, nothing else works. So on a good day, I'm a little bit like, well, as long as I don't look like I've, you know, got dressed in a skip, who cares? On other days, you know, I've stopped looking at the monitors so much because mm-hmm. who gave me that chin? <laughs> Extra. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. sit here and pretend that some days it isn't disappointing to see what looks back at you. It can be, but that's life. It's also really disappointing to not get to this age and die young. You know, you can't stand around asking for change and then not be part of the change itself. You've got to sort of walk it and talk it. Would I like to have my 35-year-old face and body? Shit, yeah. <laughs> have I got it? No. Will I ever get it back? It's as close as it's ever going to be. And then, you know, the menopause jumps in and ransacks everything. In the most recent months, when I I feel like I've crashed into perimenopause, what I look like is way less important than how I feel at the moment. I don't feel good Mm -hmm. and I miss feeling good. And then I'll probably start thinking about looking good after that. It's also, I've walked around for like 25 years being judged for how I look. I think I've got the skin of an armadillo. I don't listen so much mm-hmm. anymore. I know when I don't look great. Good advice. I don't need 55 people to jump online and tell me. Yeah. And if you are jumping online to tell me I don't look great, look at yourself because the chances are you're very unhappy. I've mm-hmm. never, ever had the urge to negatively interrupt someone's day in that way. And if I did, I would be very disappointed in myself. So I try on a good day to extend the right level of pity towards that kind of behaviour. But catch me on a day where the estrogen's crashed. You know, I could probably start a fight in a car park quite readily. (laughs) Obviously, as you know, on this podcast, perimenopause, we talk about this midlife transition, physical, emotional. Sounds like you've been having a really tough time with it, Kate. But you started on HRT, didn't you, in, in lockdown this year? And you've been on it about three months. Is that right? How's it all going for you? Flicking through a Rolodex of the last six months like I've never been an overwhelmed person Mm. I've I've always been able to cope there were days when I just couldn't like if a text message came in I'd be like going Mm -hmm. oh for god's sake another text Mm. that's another thing to do it's like 
bloody text. You have this situation where you've gone from being able to manage a job, manage a really busy family life, uh, run a budget, have a day structured, manage people to just not being able to do any of it, to being completely thrown by an email or a text. And it's. Yes, I'm better than I was, Lorraine. My mind feels more my own and now it's the physical that I'm trying to cope with and that's fine because I'd rather cope with the physical than Mm, the emotional you know I'm sat here talking to you now I've got I've got this notebook which is purely for me to scribble thoughts as they come down while I'm doing Mm. calls like this because I kept drying in the middle of of sentences and when you're interviewing somebody that's really upsetting it's it, it my confidence was going and I'd find that I was constantly trying to put myself on mute mm-hmm. and I thought you're a communicator why are you muting yourself because I'd lost the confidence in my ability to hold an intelligent conversation you know the brain fog being incapable of being you the body aches I was really shocked by I literally yes, felt like I woke up and had aged 50 years overnight. Mm-hmm. What you end up doing is re-identifying yourself. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not as somebody that you see as somebody you love and like, because exactly. you don't know that person. I had a spate of being really irrational and angry, like just so quick the to rage. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. that's gone, right? So that I know that the HRT is helping with that. Also, the unexplained crying's gone. That normally so, used to happen a lot in the car. Yeah, <laughs> so, but that's good. It's the little steps, and you're noticing yeah. the little steps, and it will. So this is it. So when I say like, you know, that's the emotional stuff that I feel like I'm a little bit more on top of now. Uh, at one point, I was writing everything on a list and then copying them onto post-it notes and posting them around the house, mm. and it looked like some sort of incident room, my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That was just to get me out of the house. You know, don't forget this, don't forget that. All of that feels like it's realigning. Mm -hmm. So everything else will follow. Don't do too much. I've always been a bit hormonally imbalanced. um, Mm -hmm. And and that became really apparent when my son was about 18 months, two years old. But that also dovetailed with the time when I became a single parent. So Mm -hmm. there was always a reason for going, I feel really sad or I feel really blue or low. And I just had a baby. But then I I started to keep like a diary and I realised that actually I was fine for two weeks of the month and then the other two weeks it was like the Wild West in my head Mm -hmm. and my body. Um, So I went to see my my GP and having a good GP Mm -hmm. is like picking a winning lottery ticket. If you don't have a good GP, I feel very worried about where women go. So I went to see her and she went, look, you're hormonally deficient. I was like, yeah, my mum is, my mum had early menopause, my grandmother had early menopause. I, I knew this was coming. So she put me on a combination of a contraceptive pill and a low-level antidepressant, Floxetine, mm-hmm. which is kind of from the, the Prozac family. Contraceptive pill gave me a synthetic estrogen and progesterone that I wasn't creating myself. And I struggled to get the, the doses right and to get the right mix. And we jumped you know, back and forth a few times. But eventually, and it took a good six months, I got to a point where... I felt like me again. My head didn't feel like a stormy sea. It felt like a cool, calm pond. And I was able to kind of function with that for 10 years. But what she warned me was, there'll come a point as you enter into perimenopause where you can't take this anymore. You can't take the pill past 50 and you won't need synthetic hormones. You'll need like what I take now, which is body identicals. So I get towards the end of last year and I thought, you know what? I can feel these symptoms overwhelming the medication that I'm taking it's time to change I went and sat and talked with her she said yep let's do that let's do it in the new year get Christmas out of the way Mm -hmm. and then off we go 
and was prescribed HRT. I've changed the way I take HRT three times now, and I feel like it's getting there. Fundamentally, what I'm taking hasn't changed. It's the ways in which I'm taking it that have changed. And that's quite interesting because you would think, well, what's what's the difference? But actually, patches didn't work for me. Uh, so now we've decided that for the next cycle, I'm going to try inserting the progesterone. Oh, if that makes okay. a difference because actually it goes straight to the area yeah. that you're trying to get the progesterone to, you know, your uterus. So we'll see. It must have been a really kind of confusing and sad time for you towards the end of lockdown last year. So because all, all of those emotions when they happen in perimenopause are really strong, they're really hard to deal with. And, and you're single and you've got a teenager. I think being know. single was probably a good thing. That was one less thing to worry about, one less person to upset, one less responsibility in so many ways until you go through it you'll just never really understand but also you might not have that experience I've got girlfriends that go I was hot once last year but other than that I feel fine you just think oh god you're so lucky it's been like being burgled it's like somebody broke in pulled all my wires out stole my hard drive wiped my memory kicked me about a bit and then left (laughs) which is hard it's really tough were you trying to work at the same time yeah I I used a weekly show I have to work and I am it I'm mum and dad I can't go I'm going to take three months off to see how I navigate perimenopause Mm -hmm. I, I think I've gone at the menopause a bit like I go at shows or stories I research the hell out of it mm-hmm. and then get really angry about the injustice of all of the money that's not put into female health care I think it's a long and winding road menopause and your hormones will dictate how good or bad you feel so you trained as a counsellor because you'd had counselling or talking therapy as you called it with your GP when you suffered from anorexia as a teenager so has that been helpful that psychological knowledge of what's going on yeah and I think probably it's really useful to try and speak to somebody when you feel like this again I'm thinking now I need to probably just pull all the cotton wool out of my head because that's for me what what talking Mm. therapies were it was about you feel like everything in your head is that is troubling you is just churning around and around like a washing machine. And sometimes you just need to put it all out in front of you and go, right, what am I actually dealing with here? What's important and what's not? Let's prioritise this. Let's just model through and sort it out. A bit like tidying out your drawers. For me, there's been points in my life where therapies helped me to do that massively. And it enables me to reset and to better understand myself. When I studied to become a counsellor, I did it because I wanted to go back to school and the fact that I think it's something I can study across these years as I enter into whatever the next chapter Mm. looks like. Um, And it's definitely informed the way I, for example, host my podcast. You Mm -hmm. become a skilled listener. Do you you practice as a counsellor, Kate? No, qualified to, but I don't. No. No. You know, when I was studying to become a counsellor, you have to go into therapy every week while you're studying. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting thing to do because I wasn't going because I was in trouble or struggling. So the other times I've been to therapy were uh, points where I was having a hard time. And this time I just had to go when I was feeling okay. And that's when you do a lot of really quite interesting introspection, I suppose. You start to really look at yourself, really understand how judgmental you can be sometimes, how irrational you can be. I mean, you just learn a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. So I got rid of a lot of the stuff that I thought, well 
could probably do away with that facet of your personality, Kate. No one's going to miss that. (laughs) (laughs) Have a personality clear up. (laughs) Talking about your career, because you have had such a fantastic career. You do White Wine Question Time, which is a brilliant podcast. And you were very early with that. You do paper cuts on radio too. What would you say is your kind of favourite thing that you've done in your career? At the moment, it's the podcast. I mean, I get to host a weekly chat show with people Mm -hmm. that I find fascinating. But when I look back, like the, the job that changed me the most, I think, was hosting travel shows for the BBC. You know, I got paid to travel mm. and report on, like, I went trekking in Uganda with gorillas. Mm. Oh, I mean, amazing. Yes. I went rafted in Ethiopia, you know. I got to do amazing things like that. Mm. I travelled in a glass-fronted train through the mountains of Peru with my dad to make a film travelling up to Machu Picchu. I mean... oh. You're making us jealous. We're very jealous. Brilliant. That's the best job in the world. And I did that for about three or four years. And I spent probably every second week I would be at the airport going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was Dora the Explorer. Oh, brilliant. More exciting even than going to see Take That, perhaps. (laughs) And what's next for you, Kate? What else have you got coming up? I have no idea. Do you know what? If I thought that I could work my life to a plan of my own making, I wouldn't be sat here now. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most liberating things that I did was stop making plans. Because mm-hmm. I've never really been in control of all the major junctures that have populated how I got to where I am sitting here today. I mean, when I say I'm not lazy, just say I'm waiting for the phone to ring. I do make things happen mm-hmm. for myself. But, you know, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago what I would like to be doing at this point, it wouldn't have been podcasting because it wasn't even mm-hmm. invented. So you can't really plan for the stuff that you don't know. And mm-hmm. I think that's quite exciting. So I think actually... That's how I'm sort of trying to, I was going to say gallop into the future, but the body aches are so bad. (laughs) No no, no more galloping. Well, listen, Kate, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sharing such kind of personal experience. We know it's going to help so many women. We really do. And we've just really explained it as it is. And I think that's really important for women to hear. So thank you very much. Today, we are going to be taking a little detour from our normal How to Win at Midlife section in a little tried and tested skincare news for you. So as usual in this part of the show, we're going to bring you helpful, useful, easy to follow everyday advice from experts and a bit of our own personal experience. That's right. Uh, And this week we've been getting out and about testing a couple of things which we hope can give you your glow back. Um, I've actually tried baby Botox at one end of the scale. And Lorraine, tell us what you've been up to. Well, um, I have been testing out something that is new to me that I haven't done before because I've got quite pale and sensitive skin, but I do spend quite a lot of time dunking it into lakes, salty seas, chlorinated pools at least three times a week. So I've been looking at exfoliators and ways to brighten up my Mm -hmm. skin. I've got a few rough and flaky patches and my lovely swim buddy and makeup guru, Lisa Potter-Dixon, who should follow her on Instagram, she noticed that my skin was looking a bit tired. So she recommended I try Mm -hmm. something called Ren's Ready Steady Glow Daily AHA Tonic. And mm-hmm. she said that would make my skin look happier. So I did a little bit of investigating on what you need to do when you exfoliate, because, you know, it's just one more thing to add to the to-do oh, list. God, and I yeah. don't often have time for that. So what you're doing is you're clearing your dead skin. You're getting rid of the dry stuff. Mm-hmm. And you should do your neck when you do that as well. And what you're aiming for is cell renewal, because the cell turnover when you age is much slower. 
that's mm-hmm. annoying isn't it Trish yeah so mature skin also is a little bit drier because the lack of estrogen makes you a bit drier as well so you can get the products to sink in better your moisturizer will work better if you've exfoliated when you're older mm-hmm. hence all the creams aimed at women of our age so there's a lot of new things with exfoliating Trish it's not just that scrub anymore <laughs> that old yeah, scrub that's, that's been sitting in my drawer scrub situation yeah. and it's good for circulation to exfoliate and you can have either what they call a chemical exfoliator or a physical one some of the scrubs are still available if you really want to do that and then the chemical ones are the ones with these various acids in and they are liquid exfoliators mm-hmm. so I have tested three I tested the Ren one. These are all available on Superdrug Boots. Look fantastic, feel unique. All of these things I'm going to talk about. The Ren one, which is 100 mil, this is the liquid one. Mm. And I really liked this. This was the one that I think worked best on my skin. They're quite expensive, some of these, but I did test the scrub in the shower for a week. This is I tested the Gold Fadden MD Doctor Scrub, which is £65 and you use it uh, in the shower. But I found that was a little harsh. Yeah. Nice. Um, another one, which was really lovely which was a combination of a bit of a wash and a scrub was the Aven gentle exfoliating mm. gel that's 13 pounds that's in that boots. really nice french brand um, isn't it yeah yeah and that was really good the key when i look at all the research on this is to work out what's best for you to absolutely stop doing it if your skin shows any sign of being irritated by it and probably the softer liquid ones are better mm-hmm. if you have sensitive skin. I got some other recommendations in my research, which I think would be good for our listeners. India Night loves an overnight one. So this is not one you do every day. You could do once a week. She likes the Elemis Peptide 4 overnight lactic acid mm-hmm. peel. That's £56. But she said in her review of that, she absolutely loved it. Made her skin look a lot glowier the next day. Now, we love our Sally Hughes, don't we? And yes. this came up in all my research on it. The Dr. Dennis Gross Alpha bet peel extra strength pads now they're 15 pounds and you can buy them in any case and loads of people recommended okay. them as a way of exfoliating caroline herons who we had on the show yeah. lovely beauty influencer she likes the clarins gentle exfoliator which is 26 pound and she suggests that you pair this with a routine that involves a moisturizer with retinol in at night okay. now if you're feeling really fancy trish you can make your own liz oh. our well-being <laughs> Yes, has this really lovely. This is just a very physical scrub yeah. to take stuff off. So what you do is you get your moisturizer, yeah. you break open a tea bag, a chamomile tea bag, oh. and all the bits in it you put in the moisturizer and you just wobble it all over your oh, face. That sounds and good. And then rinse it off. Bit messy, but very good. I do like a chamomile well, tea at night, so I could keep the tea bag for but... the morning. Yeah, lovely. So that's what I found out about exfoliators. Um, very good. Um, what about you and your uh, baby Botox? Wow. Has it got you ready for your next modelling assignment? <laughs> I'm being booked as we speak for a campaign. No, I mean, <laughs> I have short women are us. Short women are us, exactly. Short old yeah. women are us. Well, I have, um, I have actually been having Botox. I have to confess, for about seven years. You know that, and I do think it's kind of slowed down the aging process because I have thin skin, and family history tells me that I am prone to lines and wrinkles for sure. Oh, and uh, yeah. I think when I raise my eyebrows, I think my forehead looks like one of those Sharpe dogs. You know. <laughs> It's kind of old. And anyway, so it's not I used quite to have that it. Bad. Well, it's not quite that bad. But I used to have it about three times a year. And I haven't had it for about 18 months because I think lockdown seemed a good opportunity to go sort of au natural and see 
where I was kind of with with the lines and wrinkles and it was okay after about 18 months the worst one was the, the number 11s between the eyebrows yeah. looking like a grumpy old bat etc and, and actually that gives me quite tense headaches because when I'm looking at a screen all day for work and I'm you're sort of concentrating and frowning and the muscles you know clench and it just gives me a headache you and, are um, a little tense frown I can have well exactly I am yeah. and I've always found that Botox has really helped that so I thought right I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna go back after 18 months so I booked in to see Dr Sarah Tonks who runs the lovely clinic in London. I mean, how about that for a name? And her mission is to help her clients achieve inner confidence and outside loveliness. And I thought, well, that's cool. Could you with a bit of that? Thank you very much. Might look younger, but it wouldn't be lovely. (laughs) So of course, it's not about wanting to look like you've been done. You want to kind of go into a clinic and come out looking just more healthy, a few years younger. Does it hurt? No, it doesn't, because it's a very fine needle and it injects sort of just the botulinum toxin, I think it's called, injects it under the skin. And I just had it in the number 11s, crow's feet, bit of forehead, and then my neck, which is quite new because I was noticing a little bit of bit of the old turkey neck. <laughs> you can't do anything about your neck. Well, Nora, Nora Ephron said that, didn't she? Well, you can well, if you where get Where on your neck enough. did it go? Well, you have, because you basically have, if you know these kind of muscles you have in your neck, you sort of do this gurning thing and you can see the muscles, that it softens those and it also, right. so the horizontal lines, and it softens the vertical lines and then it softens the horizontal lines. And it definitely is looking better in, in the neck. But the, And I'm really... Does it I hurt do, in the neck? No, it doesn't hurt. But what's slightly strange is I was doing my Pilates the other day and oh my god <laughs> get my head off I was like, hang on, what's going on? be more of a cliche <laughs> oh my god honestly and i so i have to when i'm doing but what it made me realize is i was using my neck yes. muscles more than my core muscles for my pilates so i just support my head now with my back my hand and then i'm that using my be core no muscles. good when you join the circus no it? exactly your trapeze i don't know i don't know but anyway it has really made a difference and i can think the texture of my skin looks better makeup is looking better because it's all there are less creases for it to kind of go in so and also can I just tell you nobody's noticed yeah. Neil hasn't noticed the kids haven't oh, noticed no, they don't care so that, I think that's quite I'm quite happy with but that if it makes I, you better happier that's the reason to do it better and happier but it's not cheap for everything that I had done will cost probably around 600 pounds but how long does that last that will last I think you're supposed to go back two to three times a year so across the year okay. if I spent 1500 pounds feeling quite good about myself I think that's okay I think I'll be saving up for that having a little fund the Botox fund but obviously it's really important to get a really good accredited practitioner like Dr Sarah Tonks you know they have to be a proper qualified medical person who know how your facial muscles work and you can find out if they're accredited on the professional standards authority website so we i will put sarah's details on the facebook page in the recommendations for the episode but do your research i would recommend it i think it's quite good you do look the same age as me now (laughs) i've lost two years hooray drum roll please everyone it's our dance down memory lane pop into your little tardis trish (laughs) whisk me away with you where are we going we're going to the library we're going oh, on. how boring. <laughs> well, yes and no. Yes and no. It is boring. Of course it's boring. No, it's not boring. Well, the thing it's was, not. when I was growing up, 
there were no books in our house at all. So we had to go to the library. And I was always fascinated, you know, when you went to a friend's house and they had the entire set of the Encyclopedia oh, Britannica. I know we didn't have any books. We didn't. They were expensive. Those. They were expensive. And those ones I think you bought from like one a year, didn't you? I think the people used to buy yeah. the complete set. Anyway, I was always fascinated by that. So we used to get our dad to drive us to the nearest library because it, it wasn't walkable, my sister and I. And we loved a big to... day out, the library. It was. Well, it was very exciting. Yeah. We'd browse around the shelves and it was very exciting. The lady at the desk when she stamped your book in and out and very organized but my dad because uh, he would just wait in the car and he quite often when he used to get fed up of waiting for us he'd come in and he'd always be wearing his slippers and we'd be absolutely oh, embarrassing. <laughs> yeah yes. mortified but I thought I'm thinking about joining a library again because I don't belong to a library I just buy lots and lots of books and I think well actually maybe I could just go to the library instead so I'm going to give it a whirl give it a whirl Wandsworth Library very exciting they'll be pleased to see you Trish yeah <laughs> little misorganization you just want yes. to go in and I'll color code it and always. make sure all the books are in the right place and they'll always be back on time with me you know you can trust yeah, me on that one yeah what about you where well, have you been you know what i've had a dad trip as oh, well good okay i wonder why um dads have come into our, hmm. our minds well i was thinking about health and safety because our trampoline's falling apart we've had it 10 million years and i think somebody's something awful is going to happen on it. Hmm. i keep meaning to do something but i've done nothing obviously but then i was thinking when we grew up Nobody cared about our health and safety, did they, <laughs> really? Not. And I was remembering that I, my dad used to take me swimming on the back of his motorbike. Massive Ooh, motorbike. motorbike. That's quite true. And I used to it? wear an adult helmet, mm. too big for me. Mm. <laughs> and we, my mum used to call it the Widowmaker, this massive oh. motorbike. He was in the police, my dad, so he he, he rode motorbikes in the oh, police at one the, point. Yeah. Yes, there were no rules, just used to get on the back of it. There were no rules about anything. Do you remember... Those mm. playgrounds with those um, metal slides oh, yes. that used to get red and hot and grip the le- no, skin no, off your legs. None of that sort of rubbery surface that they can fall on now, all of that. No, none of it at all. When we went camping, which is a hideous ordeal in itself, mm. my dad would drive around the fields with us in the boot of the car with the boot open <laughs> and we'd have to cling on for dear life. He'd do that while mum was making dinner. Oh, that I mean, was it. sort of... Instead of going to fairground rides, you had your very own exactly. fairground ride. Never mind the waltzer. You could go around in the back of your dad's car. Brilliant. When I was 16, they just let me get a moped, saved up from mopeds on my own. Can you imagine? Because I'm not oh, one with a machine, as you know, Trish. No. Well, those were the days. Well, after that trip back in time, we've come to the end of Postcards from Midlife. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And make sure you download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers. That would be super helpful. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, on Instagram, or email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.